Every Sunday, my phone reminds me, or informs me more than anything, how much time I've spent on my screen that week, and compares it to the week before. It's a little way of holding myself accountable, and I think I do an okay job. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, but I always say, okay, well, this this is normal, right? This is the way it should be. A few weeks ago, however, I was serving as uh, a member of our provincial uh, chapter, and we had meetings basically from 9 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock, and then we'd have conversations and whatnot until we went to bed. And so there was very little time to use my phone or to check an email or something like that. I was still able to do all that I felt like I needed to do just to not be overwhelmed when I came back with emails and such. And at the end of that week, when my phone reminded me how much time I had used the screen that, or looked at a screen that week, I was horrified. Because I realized in that moment that I had used my phone that last week probably as much as I absolutely needed to use it just to to get by in this day and age as a pastor and in my work. And I had used my phone significant, I'm not even going to share the number, significantly less than I had the week before. And I realized something in that moment. As much as I like to consider myself free, as much as I like to consider the decisions I make good, I too am still yoked and and enslaved to certain things. There's always room for improvement. We like to think of ourselves as free, don't we? As unencumbered by the things of this world or by other things. Making our choices freely and at our own behest. But we are creatures, first of all, of habit. We are creatures made for relationship, and we are creatures marked by the fall. And so though we think we're always free and always making free decisions, we are yoked to other people and to other things. And sometimes that relationship that we have is healthy and it's good, and sometimes it's bad. There is a beautiful yoke of relationship in this world called marriage, where a husband and wife choose to die to self to live for another. By uniting themselves fully to another person, they find their freedom. There's a yoke and a relationship that we have between husband and wife, mother and father, or mother and child, father and child, brother and sister. There's a bond that we have that connects us, that unites us. But even these bonds, brothers and sisters, can be taken advantage of, can be weak, can be loose. We can choose other things as opposed to our family. When the yoke of family, although at times it can be a burden, and sadly there is abuse and there is neglect in our world, and what a crime and what a shame that that is, what a poverty that is for the people who experience it. When it's done well, that yoke of family, you always know because of your relationship, not that any of you have chosen that, your love. You're known. You're cherished. But we know what happens when when human relationships don't end up that way. I've been here at St. Paul's now for seven years. I can't believe that. But I've been here for seven years. And one of the great challenges for me as a priest here is working with our college students who are in toxic relationships, whether they be romantic relationships or toxic friendships. Relationships that bring them down that take them away from what is good, beautiful, and true in this world, that turn them into something that they are not. And I, myself, was a part of many toxic relationships when I was in college, and so my heart accords with them. But at the same time, I want to scream, stop dating this person. 
Choose new friends. These things that you're, you're more afraid of being alone for five minutes than of being alone or, or than being with, with, with people who are taking you away from who you're meant to be. We can also be yoked to things, not just people. And things can be used in a good way. We can use the gifts and the talents that we have to serve others, to make the world a better and a more beautiful place. And so just as the, the, the carpenter is, has, a, has a bond with the tools that he or she uses, so too we can have that bond with the things that we use, that give glory to God, that make the world better. But the things of this world can also pull us away from God. We can start to find our identity in the things of the flesh, the things of the world. We can start to even see those things as more important than our walk with the Lord and the love that we have. Though this is not going to be the subject of this conversation, one of the great scourges in our world right now is pornography. So many young men and women are so enslaved to this. They're choosing that kind of relationship over real intimate human relationships. And it's laying waste to our ability to connect, to choose an interaction with the machine over an interaction with the human being. And it shows that these yokes that bind us are not always good. And we can be overwhelmed by this. And we can look into our own hearts and to see all of the ways in which we have chosen slavery over freedom. The works of the flesh over the works of the spirit. And we can be discouraged. But to each of us today, the prophet Zechariah says this. Rejoice heartily, O daughter Zion. Shout for joy, O daughter Jerusalem. See, your king shall come to you, a just savior is he, meek and riding on an ass, on a colt, the foal of an ass. And who is that king but Jesus Christ, who comes to us? Yes, he did in history. He came into Jerusalem, we celebrate this on Palm Sunday, riding on a colt, riding on the ass, coming into the city to set his people free. He comes every time we come to Holy Mass on, the, on this altar in the Eucharist to each and every one of us. And he comes to set us free. And how does he do that? By yoking himself to us. He chooses you. He chooses to be with you in everything that you do, in every one of your burdens, in every one of your challenges, in every one of your relationships. Jesus desires to be there alongside you, walking with you, helping you shoulder the burden of that load. And he has taken on all of the burden of this world so that with him, alongside him, in him and through him, we can be free. And all of those things that are in front of us, all of those challenges, all of those difficulties are seen not as the things that keep us away from God, but the obstacles and the means by which we are saved with Jesus, walking alongside us helping us to overcome, leading us to greener pastures. Not away from us, not outside of us, but immersed in everything that we do. And so we, therefore, must give everything to Jesus. We must say, Jesus, you're worth it, and everything is worth it for you. And so here is my heart. We must engage continually, as St. Paul encourages us, in that battle to live in the life of the Spirit and not the life of the flesh. And this requires an extraordinary gift. It requires everything, brothers and sisters. But it is only in this gift, 
of back to Jesus. Jesus offers us everything. God incarnate suffered and died so that we wouldn't be alone. When we give that gift back to him, imperfect as our gift is to him, he offers us in return the perfect gift. But we sinners that we are have to come back to this again and again and again. But even little things add up. And I want to encourage you to look in your life and say, what's a little thing that I can give more to Jesus? What's a little way that I can be more intentional? How can I turn off the radio or turn off the TV or put down my phone and talk to the Lord, pray the rosary, read the gospel for that day, open my heart to the Lord, pray for those people in my life who are in need, who are suffering, serve those in need who are suffering. What's a little way we can do that that's concrete, that's measurable, that's real? How can we do that? Because that little turn of the heart That little commitment to living more in the life of the Spirit than the flesh changes the world, brothers and sisters. And it can be something as simple as this. What is on your mind and on your heart? What's going on in your life? What's going on in your head when you come to receive Jesus in Holy Communion? It's so easy for us to treat the Holy Eucharist, to treat our reception of it as something that we do. And the reality is that we're always going to be in a different place. And there's, there's nothing in and of itself wrong in receiving Holy Communion absent-mindedly. Right? If we're in a state of grace, we're at church, there's a million things going on in our life, Jesus is the medicine that we need. But we need to just try to be a little more intentional. Two weeks ago, I was giving a retreat to a group of Carmelite sisters, and in the ciborium, in the, in the, in the vessel that holds the host, Right next to the altar, I opened up the lid, and inside was this perfect spiral of hosts. It looked like a little rose inside. And I thought to myself, this must have taken Sister hours to put together. And then it dawned on me, why would she do that? Because some things are worth doing just for the Lord Jesus. No other person would have ever known. I shared it on social media, so a lot of people do know. But (laughs) no one else would have known. Had I not done that, except for me and the blessed Lord. And it also challenged me, because when I was going to give out Holy Communion, here's this beautiful design, and I wanted to be intentional about not wrecking it. And in doing so, it just, it really just struck my heart and really forced me to really reconsider just in distributing Holy Communion, how each one of those hosts has infinite value. And Jesus comes to us in the Eucharist to save us, to redeem us, to set us free. And just that little more intentionality about taking the host and placing it on one of the sister's tongues or in someone's hands, it just, it just broke my heart open. Brothers and sisters, I want us to invite you today at Holy Mass as you receive Holy Communion, but just in your life to say, what can I do just a little bit more to live in that life of the Spirit, to walk alongside Jesus so that I can be free? Not Pollyanna-ish, cockeyed optimist, looking at the world with rose-colored glasses, but looking at the reality of the world in the eyes of the Spirit, knowing that Jesus has come to save me, to redeem me, to fulfill the greatest desires in my heart in the presence of all of these things. God has come to save. He comes to you in your burden and your brokenness, and he says to you, 
Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light.